Hey, Forge family. Last podcast, we noted that the writings in 1 Samuel are some of the most descriptive in Scripture. Samuel wants his readers to get a look at his roots, the dysfunctional family into which he will be birthed, and the anguish of his mother, Hannah. We made the connections to other barren women in the Bible and the close comparison to Rachel, who was barren while Leah had ten sons by Jacob. <clears throat> Out of her deep distress, Hannah prays for the Lord, to the Lord of hosts, humbly asking him to look on her affliction, to remember her, to not forget her, to give her a son. Her vow pours out in tears as she promises this firstborn to serve the Lord all his days. She also makes the vow permanent. Samuel would be a Nazarite. She's not only misunderstood by her husband, Elkanah, but also by the priest, Eli. <clears throat> Hannah stands up for herself, though. Quote, I'm praying out of an oppressed spirit, and I'm not a worthless woman. Unquote. Eli recognizes his blunder and blesses Hannah and her request in the name of the God of Israel, Elohim. Hannah is transformed, remembered by God, and bears Samuel. <clears throat> After Samuel was weaned, she presented him to the Lord in Shiloh. Now, I urged you to use Hannah's prayer when you're, you're blocked, you're oppressed, you're downhearted. You call on the God who knows you, who has made promises to you and cannot forget you. All right, Forge family, let's pray. Lord, when life happens to us, we want to respond like Hannah. Deep prayer, deep calling out to you. Out of such prayer, O oh God, comes new life. Stand us on our feet in expectancy. God is heard and he is at work. Now, um, <clears throat> you need to go collect your... Uh, your Bibles, your notebooks, pens, a beverage, and get ready for this podcast. And at the same time, limber up your zoom in, zoom out tool. <clears throat> We're going to use that a lot in this passage. In the 11th verse of 1 Samuel 2, we see Elkanah's family departing Shiloh, going back to Ramah, leaving three-year-old Samuel behind to minister to the Lord before Eli, the priest in Shiloh. <clears throat> right there, there's an unprecedented problem. There were never children in ministry in the tabernacle. You had to be of the priestly lineage descended from Aaron or of the Levite lineage descended from Levi and 25 to 30 years old. <clears throat> so we acknowledge we don't know what's going on here. But Eli set Samuel to work, serving as he might. <clears throat> Excuse me. In the tabernacle, there were many menial jobs, carrying wood from the outside of the tabernacle in and, and, and laying it out specifically so that it could be used on the altar. And then you had to carry away the ash. The grounds were meticulously swept and picked clean. 
any spilled blood from the sacrifices was scooped up or washed away. Priestly garments had to be cleansed and laid out. Levite choirs practiced to lead all Israel in song. And the priest's quarters had to be cleaned. Lots to do. Even even for a little three-year-old. He could help. In verses 12 to 17, we need to zoom out. We need to get a God's eye view. We need to lift up above this text. Um, We need to see the surrounding mess that is unfolding in the lives of Eli's sons, Hophni and Phinehas, and how it affected all of Israel, especially those who served in the tabernacle. In verse 12, these two priests are introduced as worthless men. That same word, worthless, is what Hannah had also rejected. They they were described as base, they're as scoundrels, as wicked, and as ungodly. In the same passage, there's a phrase that says, For they did not know the Lord. And some translate that as, They were sons of Belial. Belial was a forest demon. And it's possible that right there in the tabernacle were worshippers of that demonic entity. Bottom line, uh, these two priests, Hophni and Phinehas, weren't believers in Yahweh, but rather they were careerists, having set out to maximize their profit and pleasure as priests in Shiloh. I have known one such pastor, now gone to his reward, and I have been troubled by several others who, you know, to my my perception, they were heavily weighted on the commercial side of life, not the spiritual. Even 3,000 years ago, there were those who wore the priestly garb and did the liturgy in unbelief. These sons of Eli did not know the scriptures. They did not know the Lord's ways as commanded over the tabernacle worship or protocols regarding sacrifices. We noted in the last podcast that an Israelite would bring an offering or a tithe of an animal to be sacrificed. Part of the carcass was set apart for the burnt offering, the breast and the fat. <clears throat> and part of the animal, the right forequarters, the right, you know, the right leg, was set apart for the priest who officiated. What Hophni and Phinehas did was, ex- you know, they extrapolated on that. They extended their taking and uh, parts of animals that were reserved for the Israelite who, who came to worship and also from the temple servants. They sent their servant, and I assume from the descriptions and language, he was a large, threatening man. <clears throat> he was sent uh, carrying a three-pronged fork to hook portions of boiled meat, which was for the servants' meals, out of the cauldrons or pots. Then the same enforcer would demand the fatty portions reserved for the altar. Only he asked for them raw to be roasted, taking them out of the hands of the sacrificing Israelites. They either had to give it up willingly or have it taken from them by force. In verse 17, it says, The sins of Hophni and Phinehas were very great before the Lord. Because they despised the offering of the Lord. The Hebrew word na'atz means to spurn, treat with contempt and blasphemy. 
<clears throat> that's what they were doing with the, the sacrifice system. And the scriptures has examples of what judgment is coming their way. In Leviticus 10, Nadab and Abihu, sons of Aaron, and part of the, and these guys, they were part of the priests in the tabernacle. When Moses was there, they took their bronze fire pans or, or censers, if you will, and, and took live coals from the from the altar and sprinkled incense on the coals outside, not in the holy place. From the Lord's presence, the holy of holies burst out fire upon them, consuming them, but leaving their robes intact. You have to think about that one. The Lord said, quote, By those who come near me, I will be treated as holy, and before all the people, I will be honored. So no shortcuts, no casual worship, no, despise, no, no experimental offerings. And, and please note here, Nadab and Abihu were not despising the altar or the offerings. They just did not follow the Lord's order of how and where incense was to be burned. <clears throat> okay, let's zoom in now on Samuel. In verses 18 to 21, Samuel's family comes for the annual sacrifice in Shiloh. <clears throat> and Hannah brings a robe for the next hyphen size hyphen up. Yeah, Samuel, okay? You know, he's growing. So, and so every year when she comes, she would bring the next size up for him. He was ministering in such in, in, a, in a linen ephod or a linen robe, much like the other Levites. Then Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife, saying, May the Lord give you children. Now the word would speaks of multiple years of coming to Shiloh, sacrificing, seeing Samuel grow, and each year Eli would bless them for more children. And the text says, the Lord visited Hannah. Other places in scripture, it's noted that God remembered these barren women, or sometimes he noted them, but being visited is, is more present. It's really more personal. And Hannah had, had the chance then to bear three more sons and two daughters. <clears throat> and here's the exit line for her. Stage right, as her assignment as wife of Elkanah and mother of, of uh, Samuel comes to pass. The Lord blessed her with children. The last phrase in verse 21 says, And the boy Samuel grew before the Lord. All right, now zoom out. Get, get up above it. Get, get away from it. It's, it's messy. Eli is very old but has heard the reports circulating throughout Israel that his sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were violating the sacrificial worship, plus having immoral congress with the holy, and, and it's a small H here, okay, the holy women, set-apart women, who served all Israel at the doors of the tabernacle. His sons violated the protocols for, for worship. And now they're predators. Eli asks, why do you do such things? The evil things that I hear from all these people. <clears throat> and he follows with a legal layout of the charges. If a man sins against a man, 
God will mediate for the wounded party to set it right. But if a man sins against God, there's no one to intercede for him. See, the hook here is Eli is ignored. And the Lord desires to put those priests to death. Verse 26, zoom back in right here. In the midst of gross sin surrounding Samuel, the text says that he was growing in stature and in favor with the Lord and with men. Now, I want you to jump a thousand years forward. And I'm going to read to you out of Luke chapter 2, verse 52. This is what it says of Jesus. And Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Samuel paves the way, makes a landing place, and Messiah comes and walks in those same footprints. Verse 27, got to zoom out, got to get back from this stuff. Then a priest, excuse me, a prophet comes. It, it, it's descri he's described as a man of God. Now, a title, that's a title, man of God that's attached to Moses and many other men who were prophets in Israel and in Judah. So here, the man of God arrives in Eli's face and he says, thus says the Lord. I revealed myself to Aaron in Egypt while still in bondage. Your family was chosen to be priests to serve before me. Your portion of the inheritance has flowed to your house from the offerings and sacrifices as I said it would. Then God turns to Eli personally and he says, you kick at my sacrifices and my offerings. You honor your sons above me. You all are making yourselves fat on the first fruits, the choicest offerings from every Israelite. And the first fruits and the choicest parts belong to the Lord. Once you were set apart to walk before me forever, but now, God declares, you despise me and you will become insignificant, lightly esteemed, and cursed. God continues to lay out the judgment against Eli and his house. He says, no old men will rise up in your family. The young men will die prematurely. They're going to die young. That's a curse. You, Eli, will see the distress and decimation of the tabernacle in Shiloh. And then comes the sign. So that you can judge this, you can weigh this, Eli. Both your sons, Hophni and Phinehas, will die the same day. Finally, the prophet speaks of a coming faithful priestly family that will be blessed of God with an enduring house as they minister before God's anointed forever. Now, we know that that cannot be Samuel. He's not of the line of Aaron. He's not a priest. He's descended from a Levite. And his sons, Samuel's sons, did not remain faithful. See, we're going to find that fact out close to the end of his life. So there's much, if you will, biblical speculation that this might be a reference here to Zadok, the priest before the Lord in the time of King David. 
because David was the anointed one. <clears throat> we get to ask Zadok soon if indeed he is that faithful priest. All right, let's read 1 Kings chapter 2, verses 26 and 27. And I got to go find it here. 1 Kings chapter 2. Did everything, but mark it right. Here we go. Chapter 2, verses 26 and 27. Then to Abiathar the priest, <clears throat> Solomon is speaking, the king said, Go to Anatoth, to your own field, for you deserve to die. But I will not put you to death at this time, because you carried the ark of the Lord God before my father David, and because you were afflicted in everything with which my father was afflicted. So Solomon dismissed Abiathar from being priest to the Lord in order to fulfill the word of the Lord, which he had spoken concerning the house of Eli in Shiloh. <clears throat> so here, the priest, Abiathar, who's a descendant from Eli, is sent away, and his livelihood as a priest is taken from him. All right. Back to the text here in, in 1 Samuel. It says, Last, the last lines from the, the man of God, he says, any of those left of Eli's line will be impoverished, broken, poor, and needy, coming to the anointed one, asking for a gera. A gera is the smallest Hebrew silver coin. It's a tiny little, thin little thing that's worth three and a half cents. And they ask for that and for a loaf of bread. In other words, something to keep body and soul together. And they request of the anointed one, a priestly assignment. Just, just put me to work as a priest. Just to be paid a survivor's wage, which is a mouthful of bread. All right, Forge family. When you're surrounded by wickedness that everybody can see, how are we supposed to respond? So we look at the pattern of Samuel, and the pattern is you minister, you serve before the Lord, and you grow in him. As you grow up, you grow in him. <clears throat> I want us to be able to see the repeated references to Samuel growing in favor with God in the midst of the passing away of Eli and his sons. God can raise up his men and his women from dysfunctional families, from criminal families, from deviant families, because of his grace and mercy to wash clean, to save, to heal, and to deliver. Around us are those who take no thought of God while God is growing us up. Praise him, thank him, and then catch his heart for the lost. We know that when they, they come to Jesus, the anointed one, even asking for a mouthful of bread, he will answer. He will work out their salvation. If any of you listeners find yourselves in the position today of Samuel with you seeking God while those around you, family, friends, etc., are, are, are seeking social media notoriety, seeking their own way with only their own resources. You keep on seeking God and his ways. 
Pray for the lost ones around you. Pray for God's favor. Pray for his open doors and open arms. All right, let's pray. Lord, we see what you were doing around Samuel. And we want that favor of God on us too. Please remind us of your ways. And send Holy Spirit to walk us into new life. Into kingdom life. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Forge family. We'll be together soon. God bless.